0: Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner. Today, we're actually going to be talking about the latest news and how it's important to Australian business owners, as well as answering key questions from the community. Today, I'm actually super pumped up as well for talking about interest rates, as well as what this means to us across the greater markets as well. But if you're not already subscribed, be sure that you're on the newsletter. This newsletter is designed to enhance your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and outside of your business. So head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com slash newsletter, put in your email and your name, and we'll email you every single week with updates. But before we get started, let's cue the disclaimer.
1: Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products.
0: Hi right, Charlie, been a big week. Interest rates, they have gone up. They've gone up 25 basis points here in Australia. Was it like 50 basis points? in the States or something. So it's going in Australia from like 0.1% if people don't know what a basis point is to 0.35%. So variable rates are bouncing around 3.17% from 2.92. What does that mean? Like I look at this and I go, okay, cool. Is this just that the mortgage is more expensive now?
1: Yeah, it's, it's such a fascinating topic and even the way you expressed it then, it's like quite a technical topic and I think a lot of uh, business owners particularly uh, don't necessarily understand how it can affect them in many, many areas of life. Many, many areas of life. Now, I will mention this, probably the most noticeable one is that by this rate change by the RBA is that everyone's mortgages are going to get more expensive. Yep. So if you have a mortgage or you're investing in property or even you just have general other car loans and things like that, you are going to or anything on a variable interest rate, I should say, you're going to notice an increased cost in that. Now um, I, I just want to make this a little bit more real. I'm just going to be reading from the screen for a second. But the way to think about it is that if you have a million dollars in debt, and I'm talking a million dollars, which is a substantial amount, is what that's actually going to cost you is an extra30 dollars and 80 cents per week. Like that's the impact of this change.
0: And so, so bouncing that across a year, I doing some quick maths, that's an extra $1,500 in a year. So I, the thing that always fascinates me with these interest rate increases, because you've got credit card debt, you've got overdraft accounts potentially in your business. You've got all, to your point, you've got, car finance, you've got the mortgage, you've got all of these things that are backed off debt. So when we say that it's gone up by 0.25% or 25 basis points, does that mean all of that debt is now going to increase? So if I use overdraft or any other form of interest or any debt in my businesses, it's also going to increase 0.25%?
1: Absolutely. And even more than that, right? So um, let's just kind of unpack this one a little bit and why I feel like Australian business owners need to be paying attention to this right so first off it's not just mortgages we've said that it's going to be other ways of debt all debt will be more expensive the second thing though is like this psychological factor so like maybe uh, some of your potential customers or leads were getting ready to make a purchase from you but now this interest rate rise has been you know brought in and then it's in the news now they're like oh the cost of my house is going up so they start delaying making these purchases or they be, you know they tighten the belt they become a little bit more frugal and that's the common effect. And I, 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 won't be lying if, like, I've had that thought myself. Like, I have a lot of debt, right? When interest rates go up one percent, it's not a small amount <laughs> that I am now having to pay. Um, so I'm like, oh, really think about my spending now. Even though I know better than to be emotionally reacting to the news, it's like it all hits us in a way. And I'll, I'll ask, you, when interest rates went up, Grant, what was your like emotional trigger?
0: <laughs> the so emotional trigger. Was like, no, nah, you can't do this to me. This is outrageous. Like, I know the exact profitability of all of the debt that I've currently got now. So, then the immediate reaction that I did, I jumped into my tracker <laughs> and I'm like, well, what happens if this isn't a 0.25% increase? What happens if this is a 1% increase? Like, do any of my positions change? Do, I, do I any of my sort of things that I care about, like my profit and loss, is that really, really impacted? And of, of course, it is to an extent. But then I always think about, well, okay, well, what's the secondary? consequence like what's the second step that happens from here which is okay well things then become a little bit more expensive to pay for them right which means okay well now people buying houses the debt becomes more expensive which means that rents are probably going to go up right because now it's all of these things kind of compound into itself and I looked at that I'm like great all my position is still profitable even if it does increase more so then my emotions went from screw the world oh my god this is all over to hey eh, you guys playing a game no worries
1: at all I'm in a
0: pretty good
1: Pretty good spot where I'm at. What about you? What was yours? So you just gave a very like logical response, right? <laughs> but So you've gone, ah, you've had this reaction and then you've gone to find data to like, oh, how justified is my emotional response? Exactly. Do you think that is what the 27 million Australians <laughs> also did? No. 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 So, right, you've got these groups of people. Now, some people are paying no attention, right? So they're just going to keep living their lives as they are. But if you're uh, someone who has a mortgage and like the news is just pumping out these rate rises and you're hearing all these things like that affects sentiment and that affects how people buy in a really, really big way. Um, I was a very, very similar response to you just as an FYI. Like I I really looked at it, but don't you find it interesting that both of us went straight to
0: 1%? Yeah. Rate
1: didn't go up 1%, but we were like, Ooh, if it went to 1%, like what could it, be? what could it be? Like, you yeah. know, how does this, we've, already started building defenses for four rate rises even though one has already happened and that this is like sentiment and psychology now um this also comes through in another way so that's just the second one so this is like consumers but the next one that comes into this is like actual business expansion yeah yeah so if you're a like much you uh, you've got a business right now you were thinking about hey i'm just about to hire that next person rates have gone up and you're like oh I'm becoming a bit more uncertain about like I've got debt on the building I'm in or we've got car loans to pay or we've got overdraft. Can we really afford this next person now or should we wait a little bit longer before we expand or invest in that next factory or whatever it is? And then that in itself changes the sentiment in those markets as well.
0: Yeah, and from uh, obviously the software world where I come from, uh, we'll use things like a convertible note where we'll go and borrow – $100,000 from somebody and we pay interest on that over three years and then it either converts into equity, we pay it off, et cetera. Um, And so they it's it's really interesting, they are increasing and they actually have already increased, which was actually a little bit of a leading view for me. Right. So I've looked at at convertible notes that used to be about 12%, so it was about 1% per month, so 12% for an entire year. And then on that, it's now up to about 14%. But the other interesting thing from a consumer perspective, just to close that out, uh, when I was looking at home loans on variable rates for a new property that I was purchasing, it was already factored in. Like, in, And rate increases hadn't been locked in stone yet. <laughs> like The banks had already passed this on. So even if you were getting convertible, and I was like, we were looking at some, I was like, yeah, like these things were already baked in. The leading indicators were there that this was happening. It's just now Australia and Australian business owners are kind of reacting to something that the writing was already on the wall, like weeks and months ago, <laughs> where everyone else knew like completely. But isn't
1: it fascinating that the trigger of interest rates rising is the one that gets the reaction, so to speak? Yep. It's and, wh- and what a difficult time to be raising capital. I tell you what is oh, like. Dude. I think last few years, if you're a startup getting it, you had it while it was easy. And if you were trying to raise now, when the markets are a little bit more nervous, it would be difficult. But I almost want to reshape this now because I've just basically painted a picture of the negative. Can I, can I put some positive onto this?
0: No, nah, we're going to the next topic. No, nah, of course you can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, so um, like the whole reason, but like, let's think about why they cut rates in the first place. Okay, so why did interest rates go from like, I think it was like 1% or something, and they cut them down to like practically zero across the world? because yeah, they wanted to uh, increase spending. Right? Yeah, they the won- world was damaged. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm even gonna, I was gonna drop an F-bomb, but it's like uh, something, <laughs> a pandemic hit, And they were like, crap, we better do something to stimulate the economy. Like the economy was actually- money. Yeah, but things were bad. So things bad equals cutting rates. (laughs) Things good equals rising rates. But it's funny how it has this inverse reaction, right? So it's actually, you know, and this is what I really hope people take from this, is if reserve banks or federal banks across the world are now, I think it's central banks is the general term, um, are raising interest rates, that actually means that the economy is good. That actually means that there's signs of things going so well that things are getting out of hand and we've got to like put the brakes on before it goes too far. So as a business owner, it's very, very easy to go, oh, look, rates are rising. I need to be really concerned and worried. But it's actually kind of a little bit of the opposite as well. Yes, I wholeheartedly believe you need to make sure you've got appropriate risk measures in place and playing with debt in different interest rate environments is, is huge. But it's actually a sign that there's a lot of positivity we're through whatever has happened in the last few years. And it,
0: yeah, it's interesting you say that because before I actually riff on this, I'm, I'm going to ask you another question, which is factoring all of this in, looking at what's going on in just Australia, like are you concerned at all around the greater impact of like the global markets on that?
1: I've got a property settling in four days (laughs) rather than I'm just going to put my money where my mouth is and say like, I am extremely uh, optimistic with the future overall. Will there be some bumps up and down along the way? Totally. Do you need to have some risk measures in place and appropriate buffers? But this is, I'm not dooming and glooming or like the world is over in any way, shape or form. Are
0: you? No, I I settled on one in like four weeks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh no like what what there was never a great time to buy like it's it is this if you it's interesting when you look at investments it's always the time horizon that you look at it on so if you look at like interest rates increasing and you look at like oh well over the last three months it's different like property is not increasing as much as it once was and all the, the like there's not as many buying factors and uh, all the, these things and you're just like oh damn it's not that good to buy However, if you expand that out, it's it's like the the greatest time delay ever.
1: Can can I, uh, let me uh, add something to that and I would love your opinion on this, Grant. I really would. It's like, I think there's uh, on certain things, it is a dumb and terrible idea to buy them right now. It's like, but do you know what? That same sentence is true every day. Every day. Right. So even when like you think it's perfect conditions, there's probably some assets or things that are a terrible time to buy. Yep. So it's like, you know, um, if if I look at this right now, it's like, you know, there's been a lot of businesses that have thrived in the last couple of years because people have been stuck home. Is it a great time to buy them? Probably not. That's yep. kind of, they've had their run. So it's like, but on the reverse of that is like, there's probably, and I know there will be, phenomenal opportunities across the world in a huge variety of ways where it's like, it's the perfect time right now. We may or may not know about them or even be aware of them, but I generally uh, feel that it's such a like it's such a dumb question to be like is now the right time to buy or not to buy or right to invest or not to invest I'm like in what like it's so like specific like it could might be the best time ever to invest in crypto I don't know yeah. might be the worst but at different times those things and horizons like do you need the money tomorrow are you trying to make a return overnight or is this like for the next thirty years because like totally different.
0: And I always like the charts to look at if you were just to invest an amount of money every single month for a long period of time, it always, always outperforms the speculation of, oh, is this the bottom and am I going to buy in here versus I'm trying to buy the top? And it's just a long game that no matter where it kind of sits, if you just keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, <laughs> the progress is there.
1: And if Warren Buffett can't pick the market timings, I think the, <laughs> the rest of the world really <laughs> needs to get off that. Anyone who thinks they can time the market, I'm like, come on but it, it it
0: is interesting right because the global markets is such a good good point cuz i know you and i were talking about this quite a lot before for uh, for the length longer than this podcast will be <laughs> is what we were talking about it for. so in the global markets over in 2022 which is where we're at now it's, we're in may so it's been about 5 months the global wealth has dropped by 14% which I'm not just talking Australia, not just talking the US, like the global wealth, which equates to about $35 trillion. And that does include about a trillion dollars worth of crypto as well. So as a comparison point, and we were talking about this from the All in One podcast, where in 2008, the global wealth dropped by 19%. It was like, this is the global financial crisis. This is like crazy. Holy smokes, what's going to happen? Like, where do we take this kind of insights? Like, is is this because we rode such a high over the last two years that now everyone's like, yeah, we knew it was unrealistic. Now it's just coming down to what's probably realistic. Eh, It's not a crisis yet. Or is this something more where it's, no, no, no. This is the leading into something more
1: important. Uh, can, we, can we do like our speculations, pure oh, speculation. Of course we can. Of okay. course we can. I'm going with it. I think the next few years is going to be like, I'm going to say turbulent because I think a huge world event has happened. And I think we're still working out how to move past that as a world. So whether that's more restrictions in countries, how we do trade supply chains, like there's there's going to be like a whole bunch of turbulence, also a whole bunch of immense opportunities that come out of this because Mm. there's all these old ways we used to do things that are going to become new. And the people that are positioned for that are going to crush, absolutely crush. Um, Once we're kind of through that, though, I'm very optimistic. I look at it and go, like, in general, like, most people still want to have a good life. They still want to uh, own a home. They still want to do business. Like, I'm not going out into the streets and it's like doom and gloom uh, everywhere at all. And I know there's a a whole thing going on in, like, Russia and the Ukraine as well at the moment, which I'm, I'm not going to comment on because I don't understand it enough. But I do believe it's going to work out. I do believe there's going to be a a good good news story on the back of it. It's just this interim period of the next—I don't know how many years—while we all figure this out as a globe, a lot's going to change. So uh, that is the opportunity and also the challenge. Yeah, and because there's
0: so many economies that printed so much money, they've got. We now see inflation kicking in at, at high numbers. And if you haven't listened to the inflation episode, go and listen to the inflation episode that we talked about it and calculating your own personal inflation. The the interesting thing that I found fascinating was the difference between now and what, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, was that f- 14, 15 years ago, it was very sort of centralized into the property market from what I understand, Where now it's kind of being felt across a lot of markets where it's almost like property markets are kind of weathering the storm at this
1: stage. Well, the right? property markets are the strongest at this stage. That's probably <laughs> at- the one area that hasn't been obliterated across this year so far.
0: Is it So is this a leading indicator that property might be impacted? But also, I, I want to get into some specifics around, okay, well, what does that mean for businesses and individuals, like, entre- like business owners and entrepreneurs, like who are playing in that space?
1: Yeah, so um, just to highlight a point there, 2008 financial crisis was basically built off the idea that a whole bunch of people got mortgages who couldn't afford them on these subprime loans. So to give you an idea... People were able to get a mortgage, and then for the first few years, the payment on it was really little. Tiny. Yeah. And then as soon as the rate changed, so the, like, uh, what do you call it? Like the free trial offer was over, the introductory <laughs> <That's great>. rate. <laughs> I was going to say, you're founder now. Yeah. Uh, they all defaulted, and as they did that, all that debt just took out the whole financial market that was way over leveraged and some banks got caught out. I've grossly oversimplified that. There's a whole Fun. bunch, but, like, that was the cause. Um, and like it did a lot of damage across the world, like a, a lot. Um, in where we're at in the world right now, it's it's completely different. It's incomparable. So you don't have these mortgages defaulting everywhere because that same type of thing hasn't happened. Now, um, the way I'm kind of thinking about that is like a lot of measures have been put in place to prevent that now. But if you look back further, like 2000 was like the dot-com bubble, yep. which is like, you know, that was a different type of uh, crisis or thing that was happening there. So now we've just got this like COVID thing where it's been supply chains, uh, lockdowns, and we're working out how to deal with that differently. And again, like if you go to each of them, it's like on the back of the dot-com bubble, you know, some of the biggest and best companies come out of it. Yeah, Amazon's, Google's, um, i was neglecting to mention some other ones that I'm not so favorable on at the moment, but (laughs) some really good companies. Out of two thousand and eight, like we, the housing market has done really well across the world. Particularly if you're in Australia, like if you bought yep. property in Australia in two thousand and eight, you'd be pretty happy right now. Very happy. So the same types of things will occur here. We just don't know what that wave or next thing is going to be. I, I think if I was going to give anyone a message, though, it's like if you're just way too heavily exposed where market shocks can take you out, is like you probably need to reassess how you're thinking about like how much debt you have or how much reserves you keep or how much risk you take in the world in general?
0: Yeah, one of the things that that I'm seeing is uh, with the impact of inflation, with an increase in interest rates, uh, the the pressure for employees and the people that we employ is going to go up, right, for expenditure pressure is what I mean. And so what we're already seeing is we're already seeing these pricing being factored into the day-to-day expenses, right? Like things that we're buying, like it's whether to your point, supply chain. So if you're doing a home renovation, if you're doing these things around, like just think about your employees doing these renovations or even yourself personally, it's now 25%, 30% more expensive. There are significant delays. Property prices are now more expensive. All of these things that we live and breathe day-to-day are getting more expensive and it will roll into everything else, right? What we consume, whether it's food, uh, whether, whether it's the car, whether it's petrol, all these things are going up. However, you look at the increase in in salaries and if you're a business owner listen to this just think about the increases that you have provided for salaries now the pressure for them increasing as well to sort of factor that in is there right whilst you've also got this greater economic downturn around okay from a a global wealth perspective like a 14 of that has dropped or 35 trillion dollars has dropped where is that coming from so money's not moving around as much as it used to things are becoming more expensive and employees aren't getting paid, or at least in some of my circumstances, like, sure, people are getting increases and stuff like that, but it's not from market pressure. It's just because you've been with us for a long period of time, etc. And we're now having those conversations in our businesses to say, well, what does this actually mean in order for us to prepare for what's coming? Don't, because
1: don't, don't you find that interesting, though? So, like, legitimately, we've had conversations where we've changed what we're uh, – our – our plan and outlook for what we're doing in the next five years because of this. I think exactly. everyone's doing that. I think that's the conversation everywhere.
0: Yeah. And so for business owners, like the biggest caution I would say is <clears throat> just think about your employees, the pressure that they've got and what that means for your business, because now profitability is important. How much you charge your customers is important because if everyone else is charging more and you haven't increased prices, <laughs> right? Margin compression. <laughs> yeah, margin compression, right? But if your employees are expecting more, because their house is costing them more their gas is costing or the petrol is costing more their cars costing more all the things are now costing more they're either going to get that from yourself or look to get that from somewhere and so as a business owner i think it's not that you need to do a knee-jerk reaction it's more just being aware right so if retention of employees is sort of like not going as well as you once had of hoped or you're getting some pressure from employees going hey like we need some kind of increase or you are now becoming the cheapest in the market when you're selling your products and you're looking at, well, why am I the last to this game? This is why is because this inflation is, it needs to go rampant. Like it needs to go through everything. There is things that don't really get excluded from this. And as a business owner, I think it's just one of those things you just have to think about and just be aware of that if you haven't done it yet, you should probably think about it as to when are you going to do it. If you increase your prices by 1%, 5%, 10%, 20%, that's, Industry specific, that's obviously relevant to what you're delivering and offering, um, but it's just something that I really think that everybody needs to consider from a business perspective, but also from their own perspective on their employees, et cetera.
1: Huge. But this is why I love being a business owner, right? If you're an employee working at a, a company right now and you don't get any control over the things we're talking about, so raising prices, changing offers, setting up for like what's going to be uh, valuable in the next five years- Right. And you're just working in a company and the people at the top are rigid, probably boomers. <laughs> Let's shit on Bo- the boomers. Boomers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, right. And it's like you go and you're trying to go and ask for pay rises or trying to increase yeah. it because you're feeling those pressures. Good luck. Correct. I, I think that's a real huge thing. But if you're a business owner who takes responsibility for your life and realize you're in control you can come up with new products and services that are going to be more profitable and beneficial in the next five years. Yeah. Like there's things that are going to be created in this time that are going to be massive tailwinds. Like you don't, you get so many more dials and levers to pull so you can ride these types of environments much better than in points. And I know that's a heavy opinion and I don't mean to make uh, light of people who have jobs. There's nothing wrong with having a job, but like this is one of the reasons why I just couldn't do it. Yep. I, I want to make sure that I'm setting up for a strong next five years and' really we be relying on someone to do that for me.
0: And that that is that that optionality of us as business owners and what we have with that lever. but it's also the same with our wealth as well. Like as we're personally investing, we have the exact same levers, right? Like we can store more cash because we think that prices might increase more or decrease more, or we might speculate on whatever it might, may, may or may not be. Um, but the, the final thing that I will just say to all the business owners that are listening to this, and this is what I'm doing throughout my businesses, is looking for the pieces of fat that have just increased my operational expenses by like one or 5%, right? Like what about that subscription that I could just cut out, right? Right well, what about those people that I haven't cut out of my Office 365 or Google Apps or Canva or all of these things? Like, What can I just start cutting out? Because that will allow me to unlock and actually see what that real baseline that I have as an organisation is in order for me to factor all these changes in.
1: Could I ask you like two rapid-fire questions here then? Just two little <laughs> right. ones quickly. All right. All right. What, what do you think is more likely? Uh, we get uh, interest rates to 2% or a recession? All right, that's the first one. And then the second one is like out of 10, how optimistic are you for the next five years and future in general? Good
0: questions. Okay. So the first one is uh, I'm leaning towards a recession. How big it is, how great it is. I don't know. So I, when I say the word recession, I, I don't doom and gloom it. It's more, I, I don't think that interest rates can go significantly higher and Going back to COVID and all these things, we've printed so much money. We've got so much debt. (laughs) The government needs to take so many different actions that are outside of just, hey, let's just increase interest rates. Like there is a cap to this before money stops moving around the economy. (laughs) Like you can't keep increasing interest rates and go, hey, everybody, just can you please go and get some credit card debt? Can you please go and keep buying houses? Please, 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 please. Like it, it really sort of slows that down. So I actually think that a lot of like global wealth dropped as we spoke about. Interest rates are going up, inflation's going up, but as an economy, we've got more debt <laughs> that have been produced over the last two years. It is insane. I I personally think that we are heading towards whatever that recession might look like, albeit it might not be like a real recession. Like Australia did not get as impacted in 2008 that the United States did. So it might just be our version of something similar or it could be worse. As more, that's where I'm sitting at, um, and I'm actually before I answer the second question,
1: well, what do you reckon with Wellington's was? I'm in the same camp. I think it is more likely that rates get cut than they go up above, uh, let's say, two percent.
0: Yeah, and so then <clears throat> over the next five years, like, what am I sort of pushing towards? I'm just
1: wait, wait, super- wait, you got to do it like an out of ten, no vagueness. I need a I need a dial <laughs> or something here. So. I am still of the
0: opinion of continuing to invest is always the greatest win. Continuing to operate businesses is always the win. I will provide a – in my mind, I, I put a macro view over the top of it. I'm like, will, will the businesses still be relevant? Are they still going to be solving the problems that need to be solved, etc. for me personally as a business owner of the weather storm. And I feel good about it. My properties and everything that I've invested in – Still haven't given good. a number. I'm, <laughs> the number I'm going to lean on is over five years – I would go like a eight, nine out of 10. Like, and, and the one or two is to factor in something that I don't know that is being spoken about in rooms that I'm just not part of.
1: I, I, I'm an eight. I, I'm of the same view. I'm like there is so much. I have never seen more, more opportunity. My yep. biggest problem right now is I don't have time to execute on all the greatest things I see. Like it's, there's so much good out there, particularly for Australian business owners. Like this is a time to thrive, not to die yeah
0: <laughs> and actually being able to have like education like this or like some insights of this going wow these things are happening this is this is how other people are reacting to these kind of Pressures and changes. How am I going to apply that into my business? I, I think that is that game changer, that gap. And it was actually interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw in the Facebook, the full stack uh, business owner community Facebook group. Um, it was actually brilliant because of all these things are happening, and there's a guy called Jimmy that's in that group, um, and he actually just went unconditional on his very first investment property. <laughs> so here is an Australian business owner that's like seeing all of these other things happening. He's like, "Screw that! <laughs> I'm going. I'm going straight in." Why? Because just progress just continually progress progress and so like from us to you jimmy like absolute congratulations absolutely fantastic and speaking about the community uh, if you, anyone who's listening to this actually has questions feel free to join the full stack business owner community over on facebook and ask any questions and we're more than happy to answer them on here and so one of the questions that has popped up charlie is what metrics do you review every single month Now, I'm going to expand this. Most people will think just business, but let's talk about business and then like the personal life.
1: Well, let's do it. I'm I'm going to do my current ones. So um, I I look at this right now is like my the metric I'm probably most obsessed with in business right now is return on equity. So the best way to think about that is like I spend X amount of dollars every month to run my business. Maybe it costs you a 100 grand a month to run your business. I'm like, how much profit am I turning that into? what's the return on the equity I'm getting in my business? Now, why am I paying attention to this one or why do I love it and I have for a long time is I look at it right now and it tells me how like efficient I'm being with the capital I'm using. Where if I uh, just focus on like revenue, like you might be growing your business really fast but you might be getting like sluggish as you get bigger. Where I feel like uh, return on equity is if, if I'm spending more, I want to see that turning into more profit and the same ratio of profit as I'm going ro- along or even better expanding as you go along. Where uh, in the past, I must admit on this one, when I grew my first business, um, I was probably more focused on just like revenue and headcount and things like that. And then in turn, I was like, hang on, I'm becoming more broke as I get bigger. This <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. We'd we bit- be making money.
0: Yeah. it's." it's- it's thoroughly interesting because we basically look at the exact same thing from a business perspective. So one of the key things that I always tell people, whether I'm I'm coaching them or looking at their business and trying to help people out, is there's two figures that me as a business owner. So from a business perspective, yes, there's context there, but me as a business owner, in my context, the two figures I care about is to that point, like the net profit as a dollar figure and the net profit as a percentage figure. Because if I don't have the other one, the other one just doesn't mean anything.
1: Right. You can cheat. You can totally cheat. <laughs>
0: exactly. And so it's like the two figures keep each other honest. And that because it's like if I make a hundred thousand dollars profit every single month, but my revenue could go from a million to ten million to five million, and I'm still just making the exact same net profit, it doesn't show me that I've got other problems. But if, if I was looking at the percentage, it's going from like ten percent to like one percent to like five percent in those examples, and now I am seeing the peaks and troughs of me going. All right, there is a problem here. I, I got to dive deeper into this. Uh, the, those two metrics, it, it they are the indicators to me of going where does this challenge lead? Because then I go, okay, is it a sales problem? Is it a marketing problem? Is it an operational problem? Is it where where does that sit, or is this thing just cruising at optimal? Is it the exact same? in personal? Like, is it, do you just go, ah, that's that's the same?
1: Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to, I wonder how many business owners out there right now are cringing a little bit listening to this because they don't know those two metrics themselves. <laughs> so if you don't, I suggest you uh, get very, very involved in them.
0: And but I will say before you, before you continue, factor in if you've got business expenses uh, to fund some personal expenses, whether it's a car, whether it's like rent or a mortgage or otherwise, like, just be, cons- just be considerate of those numbers eating out of your net profit, right? Because if they're coming out of the business that are personal expenses for you, just be aware of that. Uh, there was a business that I was talking to you about, Charlie, that had about 8% hidden <laughs> in this. And I was just wow. like, so really your net profit's higher? If you, if the business owner was not there, I'm like, so that's good. Like it's even better than it was just because it was these could, little Can we resources. unpack
1: that quickly? Just, I think that's very yeah. interesting, right? So you're telling me right now that the business owner is running so many personal expenses through their business and writing them off that their net profit is like, what What was the difference again? It was about 8%. Wow. So 8% of um, revenue is their expenses. Yep. Yep. I'm going to use my infamous no comment. <laughs>
0: but it was and and so and by the way the net profit looked great like it was actually I'm like still a good net profit and then you look at under like the financials and stuff and like there were these these pretty expensive hotels and flights and stuff and I'm just like what was that for I was a mixed business and personal and so I just kind of came kind of wrapped all up in the business and I'm just like so I've really removed some of this stuff like it's actually a really good position (laughs) yeah it is okay well you kind of want like two of these <laughs> you kind of want like the before your personal expenses the lavish lifestyle or something and then like the rest <laughs> like those are the two things that we kind of want to keep out so i just wanted to put that one in there because a lot of people don't even think about
1: that huge absolutely huge it's um it's not surprising like bianca used to bring home stories all the time about people running crazy expenses through their business and just like how they just destroyed their books like, they just have a great company but they've ruined it <laughs> it just like, Stop doing it all right, yep. So on the personal side, uh, completely different, right? So business, I'm very, very focused on return in equity. On my wealth and personal stuff though, like net free cash flow is what I'm becoming increasingly obsessed with. So like uh, to unpack that a little bit further, I'm really happy with the assets I have. So tracking the asset prices, like the property prices or the share prices and things like that is like becoming less important to me because I, I want to own those assets. And right. I still track them. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm really interested in right now, particularly, is like net free cash flow. So every month, how much net free cash flow, which is up, like after tax, after everything, are we creating to keep reinvesting in our assets and kind of spin that flywheel? So I really like to see that. Like month on month, I want to see that going up. And if it's not, or there's a change, that's where I really start digging in. That's where I want to know like why what's what's going on here. Are we doing this right? Has something changed? Is the environment whatever it is? And I find that that is like my north star at the moment.
0: Is that is that getting to you, you to a point? Like, is that when it hits a certain point, you pull the trigger and go, "Bam!" I'm going to go into this thing, or is this just because okay, based on the globe, what happened is happening in the economy in the global world, all these things that opportunities will present themselves, and I just need as much free cash as I can to go and invest in.
1: Well, I don't actually need the cash. That's the irony. And I'm like, business is being very good to me and us in general. And I look at it and go, well, like my business is where I'm getting my cash for living from. Yep. So I'm not particularly concerned about drawing from my portfolio. But one of the things I'm just really like looking to do in my strategy is like my uh, strategy in wealth is cash flow. Yep. So if it's working, what should it be doing? Yep. Creating cash flow. And if it's not, well, then I, I really need to readdress what strategy I'm using here. Because if I'm running a cash flow strategy and it's not making any cash flow, it should probably change something. And if I'm uh, inverse creating some other effect, I really want to know about. So like, again, I'll mention like growth's important. I'm not saying it's not, and it's definitely been a huge part of my strategy. But at this point in my life, I'm definitely more in trying to push those cash flow numbers up. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. So for me, the cash flow from assets is what I'm still focusing in on, albeit I am pondering the stacking the chips like how how do how do i evaluate the cash that i keep putting into bank accounts because i think there's going to be more opportunities i think that just having cash especially in a market that is so i don't know speculation like it could go really high it could go really low i've got some good investments like i'm pretty happy where i'm at but i'm i'm, I'm pondering going okay well now stacking more stacking more cash versus buying more properties i I'm wondering if that's still going to be a a better strategy. So for me personally-
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. you don't just get to roll on. Has this recently changed?
0: Has recently changed, yes. So this has
1: become- Okay, so you were previously focused on uh, probably similar to me, the cash flow thing, right? If I've got these assets, how much cash is it producing? Where now in the last, what, three months, you've shifted it to what are my reserves and liquidity because I think opportunities are coming
0: critical like i've uh, even to the extent that i've started looking at if i was to refinance property to 80 percent, what does that look like like how much cash do i have available to me if a really great opportunity came across or things like that so it's it, so i'm starting to ponder going great like what are my cash stores what liquidity do i have available to me that i could just push a button and go go crazy on it Like those are the things i'm starting to like really ponder and stepping into and i don't want to give the exact same answer as you um, but it's moving across from like cash flow and like
1: great, but it really, but it really validates me, Grant. It really validates me. I feel much. <laughs> well, I sleep like, better at night well, if you improve.
0: <laughs> I, I can't say I'm like I can't like this. This can't be the exact like how we're doing the exact same thing. Even though most of the time we end up doing it, it's like. But cash flow was like a, a massive run for me, and a cash flow outside of business. Like I've got to ask me. you another
1: question on this. I absolutely okay. have to. I'm, I'm like itching to speak, and I'm so sorry for cutting you no, off. No, and it's fine. definitely the worst thing to do in a podcast. Mm-hmm. So apologies to everyone who has to hear this. How many? Right, How often does what metrics you focus on, whether it's in business or in your wealth or personal life, change?
0: Now that's a good question. So, business doesn't. So what I focus in on business? Uh, no, I. If you went back to my in SaaS, very different metrics. So when I was like a software as a service, like. Uh, co-founder which i still am, by the way but the thing the metrics i care about are still what i'm uh, like the the profit percent and the profit dollar figure um but i cared more about like usage growth like what are the things that like a high net worth individual or um vcs or angel investors would want to invest in is really what i cared about but in essence most businesses i just care about like dollar profit and percentage profit Um, so that almost never changes like it's (laughs) no matter what business I'm in like that's all I kind of care about but from a personal perspective the overarching how much cash am I earning from a cash flow perspective and a capital like what's my asset actually worth is always there but to an extent where I'm like cool as long as they're both in the green
1: hmm,
0: like it's, it's not the end of the world and that's when I start looking a little bit more macro ongoing well do i think there's going to be a whole heap of opportunities coming great i might stack some more cash do i think it's a really good buying opportunity yep i might focus in on buying more assets right or if opportunities just sort of come across my desk i'll go or like you and i talk about some opportunities I'm like great that's going to be a perfect thing to, to buy so from a overarching health doesn't really change but from a day-to-day operational like these are the numbers i'm looking at to make sure i can pounce yes that changes
1: It's it's interesting, right? Because I feel like there's some like, uh, for example, it's like revenue, net profit, right? That's pretty much like what every business owner's got. Like, cool, they're important. I'm always doing it. But then if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll see there's like, you know, a little something within it that they're more obsessed with. It might be sales volume, might be leads, right? They've always got these other little metrics that they're using as a little focus point for whatever's their pressing focus in the business. And it seems to change. And you've even referenced here like type of business. So yep. if you're in service business, you're probably looking at different things than uh, e-commerce or potentially even looking at different things if you're in SaaS or I know you are. And I just think about it. If you've got like a supply chain, like you've probably a lot of important metrics on how long it takes you to get goods and things like that that become more relevant to Very. you. So you start picking up like your specific ones. Um, but then the wealth ones, it's kind of the same. Everyone's like, cool, growth and cash flow, i got it. Um, <laughs> that <are> is pretty basic. <laughs> yeah, my net worth, how much cash it pushes off uh, a month or a year, I'm good. But it's like it totally um shifts again. You get these focus points. Yep. So like uh first few years, I think I was pretty obsessed with like net worth. I was like this as p- everybody cares about. Yeah, but I, I must admit, as soon as I like passed a goal, I was like, okay, cool, don't care about that as anymore. And that's important, I'm still gonna look at it. But it's like this cash flow thing is like where I'm like, cool, I want to really like grow this out. Yeah. But um, I just think that this is like it's a moving thing. So like depending on what it's what's going to change that's going to change people's metric, right? Is like one, let's just go with the environment. Yep. So the world suddenly changes and the metrics you need to pay attention into in your business and your world change, right? Two is your goal changes. So like if you were very focused on growth and then you change into like stability, well, you're going to need different metrics to measure stability. Um. Or then thirdly is like on the personal side is like, you know, if you're trying to gain weight, or lose weight, you're probably going to track your metrics and what's good in those very, very differently as well. So I think it's like, even though we've been asked this great question, I almost want to throw it around to the idea that your metrics you track suddenly become more important based on the goal. Yep.
0: And then you get to a point where now you just opportunity chasing.
1: <laughs> yep. I, I am to get
0: to that. <laughs> which, which I think is, I think is brilliant. So isn't that, isn't it interesting? Um, all right, Charlie. I got another. A community question here from Kenneth um, does anyone have any online wealth creation courses they would like to recommend for people in Australia whether it be property crypto etc
1: I wonder if we're going to say the same one first
0: All right, you go and I'll say I'll just say yes or no I'll be honest
1: okay so I think the number one uh, resource the one that changed a lot for me and I highly recommend everyone starts with is debt millionaire by George Antone
0: that's good yes <laughs> literally it's the the wealth concepts the greatest if you have not read the book don't be scared of the title terrible 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 title it it like leads with the wrong concept the book
1: itself is great it's it's a bit clickbaity that title isn't it and also i don't feel like i get it but it's like i don't feel like it's actually what the book is about
0: yeah i feel like it became too clickbaity like it, it almost took away from the value where people would read it and go, oh, this is going to be the same as all these other books that were written that way. But then when you read it, you're like,
1: yeah, no, this is no, no,
0: this is fundamentally different. <laughs>
1: okay. um, se- secondary I want to throw in here though, George's second book, uh, The Wealthy Code, also really good. I would almost count them as one. I would say that combination of those two books is a, is a great place for people to start. I would recommend that as like the first kind of resource for learning. I really would. Yeah. Interesting. Are you going to list out some others or shall I go? No, no. I
0: reckon we just go one on one because we're probably going to say very similar things because I know we circle around the same drain pipe. (laughs) So um, one of the ones that is really at the top of my mind, because I love the content that she pushes out and it's very property focused. And so I'll just say, just consume this stuff, um, is from Veronica Morgan over at The Elephant in the Room. I, I think that from a property perspective the guests that she brings on the content that she provides from property in australia hands down uh, i get excited to listen to that podcast and consume her content like i or watch it on youtube it's completely up to you how you consume it. i just think it's it's fantastic and the news that they bring is very timely etc as well as providing foundations across the top of the property of property investing and stuff like that I, i just think it's a good foundational educational podcast that just everyone in property should be listening to.
1: I concur. Great resource. Uh, I'm going to go next one then. I think there's a great YouTube channel for people that are looking to understand like the Australia specific property concepts. Uh, it's by a guy called Kent Cliff, who's a guy in uh, Western Australia. And uh, what I love about his channel is he like, will go, this is how subdivisions work in Australia. He does a video and you can go, cool, I can't. I kind of get it. I mean, I don't know enough to do it, but I I get the idea where it's like, I think it's really helpful for people understanding like making a business related is like, cool, this is marketing, this is sales, this is HR. Like he does these excellent videos and the different types. And I feel like it's almost like a great glossary of terms for people to get up to speed on the different things within it. Yeah. See, Kent
0: Cliffs. not one I, I dove into too heavily. Like I've watched some of his videos on YouTube and stuff like that before, but I haven't like, not as religious uh, around the property stuff, but his content is super good and super detailed, especially if you know what you're going for. in like, cool, subdivision, like this is what I'm going for. I'm go- I need to learn something. So I think Kent's great. Right, I'm going to step, even though I'm, I was like, I'm going to step away from like property, but really, no, this guy loves property <laughs> as well is Investopoly. With Stuart Weems, uh, he's great. It's great funny. Podcast. I actually, uh, at the gym, I ended up basically stopped my workout, just completely stopped it. <laughs> so I consumed like four of his episodes back to back. I think it is. I think what he talks about and what he shares is some great foundational knowledge of investments um i have not read his book
1: have you read his book i have but i was gonna say i don't necessarily think of him as a property guy yes he definitely does property stuff but um one of the great things about stewart is like i think he's more like step back does shares does super does a lot of things that he's qualified number one and knows a lot about and has a lot of experience um i think he's great for australians i really do yeah and uh, his content is bite-sized Right, like if you listen to his podcast, like
0: it is like 15 minutes, it's like bum, 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 bum. Like it's very structured. And his book, even though I haven't read it, I've, I've looked at the glossary and stuff. It's like, what is it, like 10 sort of key investment strategies? and like that piece by piece by piece. He's, the way his brain works is very similar to myself. Logical layouts. All right. <laughs> we'll go one or two more. How many more you got? All right. I got well, going to be here forever.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to give one more. I'm going to give – actually, I'm going to give two more at the same time. I I think in Australia for uh, share market-related stuff, where I have learned the most has been from a guy called Gary in Western Australia who has uh, specialist share education. Um, He does a weekly update video on his YouTube channel. I think it is a phenomenal starting point for people and I've I've learned a lot from that. So my other recommendations obviously be more property or foundational recommendations where this one is more share market. I know some people may be here going, look, I would just want to do property or I just want to do shares. I think learning a little bit about both is very, very helpful if you're trying to like wrap your head around it. Just, just like in business, right? Yep. I know a fair bit about e-commerce and SaaS. I don't have businesses in them, but rounding that business knowledge enables me to do uh, the businesses I do have much, much better. Um, and then the last one I'll just throw in here from my point of view is that like Goose from uh, dash dot. Um, has educated me so much like personally and then Aaron, our mortgage broker, Aaron is like wife he's wife educated wife. me so personally and Anthony, our accountant, has educated me so personally. So I feel like there's a huge amount of education from the team you have that you're building wealth around. Dude, I, I, I'll i put a shout out to um, Anthony, uh, the accountant.
0: Anthony, who, I don't always pronounce his name incorrectly. No, uh, I'm,
1: just, I'm just laughing when we had him on that call to talk about trusts <laughs> and like he clearly knew what he was talking about and we were trying to tell him why he's wrong. And it's like, and he's like, guys, does it, does it work that way?
0: It was, it was, he just ended up looking at the cameras like, why are you wasting my time? <laughs> I
1: feel like it's trying to explain like macro and economics to a toddler. That's what that day was. It was like so far over head. That? But anyway, thank but what you, about, Anthony.
0: What about this? No, I it comes back to, uh, if you haven't listened to the networking episode, like listen to the networking episode. It is It is foundationally fantastic for these points. Um, last segment. Of the podcast, Charlie. Like, what are we pondering, following, thinking, etc., right now? Like what are you what is on the back of your mind? And we've kind of touched on mine. Like, what are you pondering right now or thinking about right now?
1: Okay. So um I've been thinking about this one quite a lot. And I mean quite a lot. I uh, think I'm trying to think very forward. I'm saying 10 years from now, what am I going to be most thankful for I do today? Because I'm looking at the way the world is and I'm thinking there's huge opportunities that I want to front run. Mm. I really, really do. So I'm trying to line up, starting to work towards that today. I really am. So Charlie's like big question or what I'm uh, considering at the moment is what are the services, brands, businesses, investments, lifestyles, that I, I think are going to be the stuff that I'm going to thank myself for in the future and then I'm like actively working towards that because the world has changed. There's so many things and it's so easy to stay stuck in like, I'm just trying to make it through this and just like things will just pass you by. Like how many people miss the internet? Yep,
0: still do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you? Uh, so it's interesting. Like uh, Obviously, you and I are having conversations around like, what is this, what are we planning on doing? Like with this podcast, obviously, uh, as well as with other brands and communities and things like that. Um, but one of the things that I'm still pondering at is stacking the chips, right? Which is, I know we kind of spoke about it before, but it's looking at, okay, well, how many chips, like how hard should I go in business to stack more chips?
1: C- can um, I ask a question around that? I don't know why I'm asking if I can ask a question. I should just ask the question. Just ask the question. Um, g- uh, can you tell me more on that? Like, are you considering selling assets and going hugely into cash and just waiting for like uh, behemoth sized opportunities? Is this you're just like, cool, any profit I make now, I'm just going to put it in an offset account and just like slow down and really wait for something where I think there's a huge potential upside or is this like stacking the chips because I, I just want to de-risk?
0: Yeah, so de riskings a small part of it, right? So I've got equity in, in various companies and I'm looking at selling down some of that equity. Um, I'm also thinking about like, do I go more aggressive in business to extract out more profit? So like go super lean, put pressure on a team for a little bit Little bit of a time so that I can sort of extract a little bit more cash out of it so that I've got some more reserves. Um, and it's only because of a little bit of that sort of the macro pressure of me going, you know what, if I'm wrong, what is the worst case scenario? And so, in some of the what I'm that
1: interesting, so this in this worldly environment we're in now has actually changed some behavior for you.
0: Some, yes, because <laughs> it's, it's looking at like if I if I execute this now and I have more cash or I put a little bit more pressure on the business to extract some more cash out of it, et cetera, what happens if uh, buying opportunities or investment opportunities don't pop up? Like, is, is that
1: really that bad? Probably not. Oh, oh, crap, you paid off one of your houses? like,
0: and then, um, But even then it's like, okay, well, what happens if one of the businesses that I might sell down some equity in um, grows, like gets an extra million dollars a year in revenue or something like that? And I'm like, how much would my investment increase from now until then by that much versus like the the risk of, okay, well, if I hold on to some of the equity in these businesses, knowing the economic uh, environment that's currently at play and things that I think are going to be coming through, like, is that still going to be the better approach? Which is why I'm just kind of pondering it at, at the moment as opposed to like aggressively executing it. Um, but also from a business perspective, I'm like, cool, that means I'm just going to be to the grindstone for six months, 12 months or however long my after pondering answer is uh to extract that cash out because i think there's going to be some great opportunities but also look at it i'm like i'm pre-family i like i don't have kids i've just moved back to melbourne got this perfect setup everything that i need like this is a time in my personal life that if i did want to go hard i can go hard like this uh, i just have a license to go harder than most people would so looking at all of that it's like well where should i push this pressure into and where should i go hard
1: I love that so much. And you do have a like low risk stage of life right now. Yeah. It's like, if you've got five kids, it's like your uh, life, your risk tolerance changes immensely.
0: <laughs> Completely. And so it's like, well, that's an opportunity that I have. And so that's, hence why I'm like pondering it. Cause I'm like, I do enjoy kind of cruising a little bit. Like I might sort of slow down and stuff, but I'm like, but do I really want to I'm like six months? 12
1: months I love we don't have to have home. answers for these things. We're pondering either. It's just what we're thinking about. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so anyone who's listening to this, I'm, I'm curious, like in the community, send us through like, what are you pondering? What are you thinking about? What are the, the questions in your head? That you just like, is this an opportunity? Is this not an opportunity? Uh, should I do this? Should I do that? Because I'd love to hear it because I'm sure there's things that I should be pondering that I'm not pondering <laughs> that someone else is pondering. Um, but again, Uh, Charlie, I love this new episode format. I think this is absolutely freaking awesome. It was fun. A lot of fun. This is great. And everybody, uh, we are sending these out as newsletters. We've got more information, more insights and stuff that comes with it. So make sure that you go over to fullstackbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. So fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter. Subscribe. I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, get access to it. Uh, We have resources on the website, go and get whatever you want, but be sure you're on the newsletter so that you actually receive these because we're doing them every single week. It's weekly drops. Uh, You know, you need to be amongst it. And again, thanks for joining us. And we look forward to actually catching you in on the next episode of Full Stack Business Owner.